Hello everyone, welcome to episode 15 of DevOps Squared. Uh, this week we're going into uh, technology a little bit. So this is, you know, only the second or third time I think that we've really talked about anything uh, technical within the, the DevOps stack. So uh, this week we're talking about DevOps on Azure as a platform. Um, so Microsoft Azure, um, if, if anyone is, is unaware. And uh, this week I'm joined by uh, Gregor Sutty. Um, who is the head of development at SORD. Um, so first of all, uh, hello, Gregor, thank you for joining us. And secondly, if you'd just like to give us a, a quick introduction about yourself, what it, what it is that you uh, do and some of the community projects that you're involved in as well. Cool. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for having me on. So yeah, my name's Gregor Sati. Um I am the head of development for SORD IT. I uh, work in Glasgow. Obviously, I'm working remotely just now. Um, I help run the Glasgow Azure User Group alongside Sarah Lane, who founded that. Um, Sarah's a cloud advocate for Microsoft. Um, I also run the Azure Global Bootcamp, the kind of Glasgow edition. Um, obviously, that's a global event around the world, but I kind of look after the Glasgow event. Um, I also help organise bits and bobs um, with other community things. I've helped with DDD Scotland in the past. Um, I've also helped kind of organise a little bit and speak at the Scottish Summit last year. Um, that's coming up again this year. Uh, also been invited to speak at certain events. Um, um, last year I was awarded an Azure MVP in kind of August 2019. And over the last couple of years I've kind of sat nine Azure exams. Um, been on a few podcasts and kind of doing lots of, tech, lots of community stuff for the Azure community. And that's a big thing for me. Um, myself and Richard Tuttle, uh, who's Pixel Robots on Twitter. Together we've come up with the cloud family, um, which is a kind of an Azure kind of related cloud um, community project that we're kind of putting together, where you can go and learn about people in the community. You can go and learn about the projects that people are doing in the community um, and stuff like that. You can go and find um, Azure blog posts, Azure study guides, and, and kind of that thing. So we're kind of the idea behind that is we're kind of trying to grow the Azure community. Um, I'm a bigger DevOps fan myself. Um, Big Azure DevOps fanboy, to be honest. Um, started looking at GitHub Actions as well. And my main background really is a developer. So I've kind of been a developer for most of my career. I'm now a dev manager. Um, and yeah, that's kind of me, to be honest. All right, cool. And, you know, any, any, anyone that wants any more info on those, I, I will definitely make sure that I put links to all of those. Uh, community events and, and sites that we've mentioned there into the uh, description of the episode. Because, um, you know, commu community is massive, I think you'll um, agree. And I certainly, when, when I was starting to learn um, Azure a, a while ago, now probably longer than I dare to think about, <laughs> um, the, you know, the, the quality of content you get from Quite frankly, a, a, a huge group of um, experts is is phenomenal, and uh, I, I often find myself looking at community contributed stuff rather than the official uh, documentation. Not to say that the official docs are, are not good in any way, but um, what I always tend to find with community content, and I try and do this on my blog as well, is you know there's no point just rehashing whatever's on the documentation, but pe people want to hear how you've implemented something or what problems you come up against, because that's what they're looking for. They're looking to see if, you know, they've had the same problem as you, or can you do it this specific way, or, or whatever the scenario is. So, it, you know, community is huge, and I've been involved in, in lots of community events, projects, user groups, and contributing uh, guest articles on blogs and stuff for a long long time now, even going back to the uh, System Center uh, days uh, yeah. <laughs> a while ago. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, co community community is a huge part of, of not just Azure, but the, the Microsoft e ecosystem. So if anyone has not checked out any of those um, community groups or community-led events that, that happen, uh, the Global Azure Group Camps are amazing. I've been to a few of those uh, events, and they're really, really good. We're really great speakers talking about everything from high-level stuff to, to very, very deep 
um, detailed technical sessions. So if, if you want to go for any level of uh, session based on something you know very well already and want to learn more or something that you want to learn brand new but don't want to go too deep to start with, then the, the, the events are, are perfect. And, and it's all run by, you know, guys like, uh, Gregor and lots of people worldwide who, who give up a lot of their spare time to, to make sure that the evangelism of the platform and, and the knowledge that's in their brain goes to, uh, you know, all of us in some way. So, so I would definitely recommend checking out, um, all of these things because it's your interaction with these community events and these community sites that gives people the driving energy to, to keep them going. So yeah. definitely make sure you check them out. Yeah, to- totally um, echo all of that, to be honest, Martin. Yeah, I think we're really lucky, especially in the Azure community, um, um, online on things like Twitter, for example. The, the community is fabulous, really, really helpful. Um, if you're on Twitter and you do something like hashtag Azure Family, someone will kind of respond to you. And there's so many nice people in the Azure community willing to help you. Um, no matter what level of kind of expertise you're at, beginner, medium, or kind of expert level there's always someone willing to help so yeah it's definitely definitely a good thing um yes the other thing i you mentioned is blogging so blog i think blogging is very important i always get asked people should i start blogging and then um, i always think it's good to start blogging especially if you're kind of coming across a problem and then you kind of figure it out and you if you blog that someone might come along and have the same issue behind you trying to do the same thing and um they'll come across your blog post and, and hopefully find the answer to that problem. So, yeah, definitely blogging um, is, is important as well. Mm. Yeah, that, you know, just to touch on what you said about um, Twitter before we uh, move on a little bit, I, I, I actually have that hashtag favourited in, in the app <laughs> on my <laughs> uh, device. So, you know, I always try and go in there every so often and see what people are talking about. And if, if no one's in, been engaged in any assistance or anything so far, I always try and, you know, even... Even just Google it myself just to see what yep. comes up. Just to know that someone's looking at it is is great. But yeah, it's such a it's such a powerful uh, community that I'm I'm certainly you know glad to be a contributing uh, member of it and able to to help out. So any interaction that you you get with any of these um, experts and SMEs in their field is is really keeps them going definitely so you know don't be afraid to reach out if you have any issues i I can almost guarantee there'll be someone that is able to help you in somewhere yeah definitely okay so let's get into um devops on on actually then so i I guess the first first thing i want to talk about is really a twofold thing uh, and it's something that i ask everyone that comes on so First point really is what does DevOps mean to you? And the second part to that is if I asked you the same thing two or three years ago, uh, would your answer be any different? Um, so I think I'll answer the second question first. I don't think my answer would be any different. So uh, this is a tricky question, and I, I think if you asked the same question to different to a hundred different people, you would probably get a hundred different answers. So to me, what what does DevOps mean to me? So I was thinking about this earlier. DevOps for me is like a combination of a number of things. Um, you kind of need the right people with the right skills um, or the people who are willing to learn the skills. So I think you need good people. You need people who are willing to learn. Um, you also need good processes. So you need good discipline. You need the kind of people who will do the right thing. Um, they won't cut corners. They'll be honest and kind of always try and do the right thing. Um, they also think about the person coming along behind you. There's nothing worse than kind of shortcutting something and hard coding something and then someone else comes along and, and it's not working because the, the person in front of you is hard coded it. So mm. try and have the right process, the right people. Um, test everything that you can. You can always write tests for things. Um, Testing is always good. Even for, the again, the person coming along, you might be the guy who wrote it and I come along behind you and if I can look at tests, I can try and figure out what's going on. And if the tests are breaking, it gives me a starter for five, a starter for ten to see... Right, okay, this is broken, let's go and have a look at that. So testing is very important. So is documentation. So if you can document um, your DevOps processes and, and your kind of environments and, and keep that documentation close to the project, I think that's quite important as well. Mm. So if you're, we're using Azure DevOps a lot for customers and I always try and ask people to document everything that they're doing inside the Azure DevOps wiki for that project so that the documentation for that project lives within that project. 
Um, I also think it's important, depending on the size of your team. Um, when I was working at a large bank, um, I was in the, I was a developer and there was an ops team, and we actually didn't even know the names of the people on the ops team. So mm. what we would do is we would build a project, build our code, and and kind of throw it over the wall to the ops teams, and we would never hear from it again until someone from the ops team would try and deploy it, and it wouldn't work. So I kind of got involved and kind of moved from a more a more dev role to a more DevOps role and kind of sat in between the two. Um, and that was quite interesting, just trying to get the, the teams to talk to each other. Just because one team was in Glasgow and one team was in New York, New York, and and they didn't even know who each other were. So that was quite an interesting thing. So collaboration across teams can be important, depending on the size of your team, obviously. Um, and the last thing I think that's important is being able to de- deliver. You want to be able to deliver code at the end of your two-week sprint or, or deliver code at the end of whatever your sprint length is, or even if you're not doing sprints. But you want to be able to deliver results to your end users um, and have, have faith in what what they're testing and what they're using is, is, is actually tested and documented and, and done correctly. So that's kind of all of that combined is kind of what DevOps means to me, to be honest. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, uh, and I think that's a... Uh, a really good summary because I, I always talk about to be honest I always talk about kind of similar things I always talk about it as people process technology and and culture but I really like the way you, you described it as people skills and process because all, all of those things together are really what encompasses the the culture which which I yeah. believe is the biggest um fundamental change to the way we work as organisations and is, is fundamentally what makes people fail or be successful when it comes to, mm-hmm. to DevOps. I don't, I don't think it's the technology aspect because, oh, I agree. you know, tooling, tooling's tooling at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, to dumb it down a little bit. Um, but it really is that shifting in mindset and you, I think you really hit the nail on the head there when you talked about people's will to change and that's a really, Big thing. I mean, I think organizations I've been in or been to where people, um, are resistant to that change is, mm-hmm. is where the problems start to begin. So, you know, I think, I think my, my key thing to, to people who are listening, who are, who are looking at implementing DevOps and, and know that one of the biggest challenges is around how you deal with detractors is you have to have a plan from the outset of how you're going to deal with those detractors. Yeah. Uh, and, and turn them round into uh, having a more positive attitude towards what you're doing because that's that's really the key to success as far as as far as I'm concerned. Another interesting thing I've seen across different different companies that I've worked in is developers don't really understand what what happens when you deploy code. A lot of people who write code don't really know the ins and outs of the problems you might come across or the kind of even if you hard code something and you've not realised you've hard coded it. It's really interesting when you take these developers and kind of show them the, the processes of deploying stuff and they kind of see it from the off side of it. Um, mm. I've always, it's been interesting in a couple of projects where we've taken some developers and actually made them into kind of DevOps people. And I know that sounds a bit weird when you say DevOps people and you're kind of labeling them, but actually getting them to write the code and deploy it and see how it, it gets shipped has changed, changed the way they've kind of thought about doing things. <laughs> yeah. And they also see them going, this is really cool. That's, uh, even today, I was talking to a guy on a project. I was working with a customer, and he's like, I'm a developer, and I've never really I've never really built a deployment pipeline. And when he, we sat there doing it together, he was like, this is really awesome. And I'm like, yeah, I can see you get into this. And he was really <laughs> loving it. It's, it's, it's good to see when you see people doing that. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting when, when they realize that they've hard-coded something and, and the kind of end, end effect they have of, of doing something like that. But, yeah, so it's... Definitely, you need people who are willing to learn, and, and you're talking about detracting detractors, and yeah, you do need to. Sometimes you need to win heart, win um, hearts and mind, um, hearts and minds, um, doing that kind of thing as well. Yeah, it's, it can be a tricky, it can be a tricky thing to do because you know we're, we're for the most part we're telling people that have worked a specific way for yeah you know, 10 15 20 plus years in some cases uh, you know every, everything you've been doing for the last 20 years we're doing it different <laughs> this is the way you need to do it now and sometimes uh, i think this is where sometimes people you know leaders and implementers devops get frustrated is that they perceive a struggle to understand what the way you want to do it as um opposition and, and sometimes that is the case obviously but uh, i often think for the most part you know people are trying to be difficult it's just that 
they've worked in another specific way for so long they they, yeah. they, they literally can't see why that is better than what they've done for 20 years mm-hmm. uh, and that's the real hearts and yeah. minds exercise and, and I think we you know I, I address that in uh, you know, I, I have a little DevOps 101 slide deck that I, I've been um, working on and, and trying to refine. It's only, it's only I think like 10 slides when you take out sort of like a title and agenda slide, but it really just goes into what the goal of DevOps is, the values, but um, and then the phases of maturity when it comes to DevOps, and we talk about the team topologies that you can get to in DevOps, trying to reiterate that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to DevOps. There are different models that will suit your business depending on where you want to get to. And I think the real key thing in this deck is actually when we talk about the challenges. And it's when people see that... So there's two lines in there that I have, which is developers are often unaware of operational roadblocks. And operations typically work across many features or products and have little wider business context. And I think it's when those teams see those two points and think, oh, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, fundamentally, each of those two groups have very different opposing goals. And that's what leads to the inefficiency. We have the, the devs who are effectively compensated, if you like, by delivering features, new features as quickly as possible. Um, and your operations team who are there to fundamentally make sure the platform and the application is both performant and available. Uh, and those two things do not go well together, which is why the processes that are aligned with DevOps make so much sense. And when they're done properly with the right people, um, the right skills and the, fundamentally the right technology to automate that as well. That is when you really start to see the benefit of those teams coming together. Definitely, yeah. Couldn't agree more. So just moving on to, to tooling a little bit. So what, one of the things that we're, um, I, I'm going to say, blessed with in the DevOps space is choice of tooling. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, there's, there's DevOps landscape tooling, um, posters even that, that you can get printed and shipped out that you can put in your office <laughs> um, or you could uh, use in a, a, as wallpaper in a small room in some cases. They're that populous with, with icons on. It, you know, it's one thing picking the tool for what you want to do and, and how you want to work and there's, there's quite a lot of uh, people don't realise this, um, so I certainly know what we do from working with Azure as a platform, but there's quite a lot of native tools available um, to achieve DevOps within within Azure itself from a technical point of view. So the, the key one that comes to mind for me is is Azure DevOps. So um, you know, what, at, a, at a, I guess a high level, what what makes that tool so effective at delivering uh, DevOps to organisations, especially when they're on Azure? Um, well, for me, it's, it's, it goes back to working on several projects in the past where you've got Jira, you've got Jenkins, you know, I mean, you've got like ten different tools, um, and the the main one of the main benefits I see of Azure DevOps is actually working on a project with a team of people and you're in one tool. So the fact that Azure DevOps has Azure pipelines for your build and deployments, Azure boards for your kind of storyboarding and your sprint sprint planning and all that kind of stuff, it's got your Azure repos for your code. So I think the beautiful thing about Azure DevOps is it's all in one tool. Mm. Um, I've worked on banks where it's been six or seven tools to, to kind of go end to end in a project, and it's really difficult to kind of tie all these together. And Azure DevOps is really good at having, like, the wiki link to your kind of build pipeline um, results uh, of it passing a feeling. Things like um, your storyboard, story item, work item, sorry, can link to uh, code reviews. It can link to parts of the code, um, changes in the code, things like that. So you can you can relate everything within Azure DevOps. So I think that's one of the most powerful things. And I really like the fact that the documentation, as I said before, is within the project. The repo is within the project, and the the work that everyone's doing is within the project. And again, you can put all that on a dashboard, and you can you can see if, what everyone's working on, how much work's been done, where they are in the two-week sprint, the three-week sprint, whatever you whatever you do, and you can plan it all from there. So I think mm. we're really, we're really lucky to have Azure DevOps as a tool. Um, I think it's a great tool. I've always really really enjoyed using it. It's very easy on the eyes, easy to get used to. I've not really seen anyone. I've not really heard anyone say they don't like it, to be honest. So 
it's um it's pretty pretty good to be honest. I really really do yeah. like it. Yeah, no, that's that's my experience as, as well. To be honest, I I started to introduce um, Azure DevOps when I was um, at Virgin Atlantic in, in a previous role not so long ago uh, to teams outside of technology. So in technology, some of the projects were already using it quite heavily. Some were migrating into it away from um, Jira as it happened, and um, some teams were totally new to it. But I, I was using even just the boards functionality. I was using to introduce to various non-technical teams. So I was talking to the, the cargo team around how they deliver certain things, procurement. Because, um, you know, the, the viewpoint from my perspective was if everyone's working in this agile methodology and using the same workflow fundamentally that we've, we've set up, then mm-hmm. you get complete line of sight of what's happening. So if, if there's a dependency on my project in something in procurement, it's all in the same tool to be able to track it, even though it's in a different project. And that's that's really powerful in itself, really, really powerful. But then, like you say, the fact that I can literally do everything from work planning all the way to looking at my test results on, and how my environment's performing. So like on the dashboards, one of the things I really like is the ability to pull in um, App Insights telemetry. Yep. So I can literally, and anyone in the project, uh, any of the stakeholders, even without access to the Azure portal, can can really see exactly what's happening top to bottom with the work that you have, the work that's planned in future sprints, how your deployments are going, how your testing's going, uh, and then how how your live production deployment is performing. And that you know, because that all in one place is is something that I, I don't think until people start using the tool, people always look at you real surprised when you give them a top to bottom of of what Azure DevOps can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot in there. I think there's a lot more than people realise, to be honest. Um, there, there definitely is. And I, you know, I started, I don't know if you've seen any of these, but I've been doing a Azure DevOps 101 series on my uh, blog. And it's not, at this point, I'm not going into any deep technical um, level, really. I'm just, you know, giving some high level overview from my personal experience of how to use all of the different features and functions within there. So I've gone through everything from, you know, boards, dashboards, queries, the wiki. Um, I'm just writing one on pipelines at the minute, which is probably one of the longest of them because of the functionality in there. Um, but, uh, you know, even in, even in, uh, the, the wiki, uh, I, I, I absolutely love the ability to add, um, memed syntax in to, to write diagrams. So yep. if you want to write flowcharts, um, you want to write, um, Diagrams of your solution, you you can write them in in Markdown effectively in memory syntax, and they will render on screen. And that's whether you're using either either wiki methods, or whether you're directly editing pages, or you're using a, a Git repository um, mm-hmm. for, to fuel your wiki. Um, that that in itself is is, is like firstly quite a cool piece of functionality, but it's also extremely powerful, extremely powerful. Yeah. It's got a lot of powerful tools. There's definitely a lot in there. There's things like um, gated releases and stuff like that, which is really good. So you can have one of our customers had a two-week sprint thing going on, and every two-week sprint they would have um, tasks and bugs. And one of the parts of the deployment would be that it wouldn't deploy if there was any outstanding bugs still on the Azure DevOps board. So that was that was kind of a nice feature. Um, the, all the bugs had to be resolved before mm. the, you actually pushed to production, which was quite cool. Yeah, there's a lot in there. There really is. Um, even in the dashboards and the widgets and stuff like that, there's, there's a lot, lot in there. It's really cool. Uh, and one, one of the things you said about bugs then is a great kind of, for, for the purists, I guess, from a DevOps perspective, that's a great link back to making sure you don't inherit too much technical debt. So having, yes. having a gate on your deployments, right, to say, in, in this sprint, I don't, I don't want any open bugs unless, and if there are no bugs, then you can deploy it. Otherwise, you need to fix all the bugs first. It's just real little things like that, and, and they're very easy to set up as, as well, aren't they? That's the, that's the thing. Um, I, I actually talk quite a lot about the functionality of the marketplace. <laughs> you know, it's quite, quite an odd thing to talk about on the, the top of, you know, the face of it, really, but, 
you know, the, the out of the box functionality is incredibly powerful, but then when you build in the fact that you can add extensions to practically any part of the suite that's out, that's out there, um, mm-hmm. it makes it an even more powerful tool in, in my opinion. We, we were linking in, uh, looking at linking in service now. Mm-hmm. So yep. that, you know, we, you know, potentially we wouldn't raise an actual change request. It'd be a pre-approved RHC or, or something like that. Um, but at least it's all in one system from a, a, an auditing and a traceability perspective. So everyone can see where it is. Um, and, you know, just being able to, even from a code perspective in your pipelines, if you, if you use um, GitHub, if you use Bitbucket or if you use something else, you, you can connect to it. You don't have to use um, the Git repositories within um, Azure DevOps themselves. So it's, it's extremely extensible. It's extremely flexible. As, yeah. uh, and of course, you, you know, I think one of the things we've not mentioned so far is that you don't have to just be deploying to Azure. You can deploy to AWS, GCP. You could even deploy on-premise as well, um, or you can deploy containers. Uh, so it, wherever you are landing your execution, it, it doesn't really matter. The tool can deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually know you could. I, I kind of knew it, but I'd never tried it until a recent customer was wanting to use Azure DevOps to deploy to um, on-prem servers. They, they're not using the cloud at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no idea how to set that up, but it was actually super easy. Yeah, very, yeah. Yeah, you kind of, you put in a, um, I forgot the name of it, I forgot the actual name of it, but um, yeah, you basically get a, a deployment agent and it generates a PowerShell script for you, which you just run on your target on-prem server. And it sets up a, a Windows service which connects back to Azure. And then all it does is use that to pass the code down. So when the code builds, it'll pull, push the zip to your on-prem server and then unzip it somewhere and, and deploy it. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I, I, yeah. I had always used it on, on Azure, but I hadn't actually used it in any anger on-prem. But it's really, really cool for that kind of stuff. So I've, I've actually got a client at the minute who has um, 136, because I've got it written down on my notes from stuff I was doing today. They have 136 build servers globally. Wow. And, you know, I've, I've basically gone in and said, well, if we move to Azure DevOps, we can replace them. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a lot of server infrastructure we can replace. That's a lot of compute costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the question quite rightly come back that was, Okay, that's great. What about if I need to connect to, if I need to compile my code with physically connected hardware in a factory? I was like, well, that's fine because you can just install an agent on premise. uh, And in your pipeline, you pick that as the target to execute the pipeline on and off it will go. So if you do need to plug hardware in, that's fine. You, You can absolutely do that. Um, and I noticed something I was, when I was writing uh, the blog, or part of the blog post I was just talking about on pipelines. I noticed there's a uh, there's an option when you add in um, agents now. There is an option in there to pick a VM skill set in Azure. That's right. Yeah. Um, so if you even if you just need connectivity, because um, you can obviously connect the VM to your virtual network and, and you know ultimately down to your data center or wherever or any other VM in the cloud. Um, you can provision a, a scale set to do that. And, and that's, a, that's a really, you know, I think the, <laughs> the, the crux of where you want to be going if you can. If you can put those VMs in the cloud, if they need network access to a local network resource, if they can still be in the cloud, uh-huh. then, then a scale set is the most efficient way to do it, right? Because it will just yeah. burst and, and contract based on the demand. Yeah, just going back to the marketplace thing. So there's, there's a lot of good things that Microsoft have brought out as well. There's kind mm-hmm. of, um, the code scanning thing where it will scan your um, open source code for vulnerabilities and report on them, which is really cool. Um, when I first run that on one of our customers' projects, it was basically saying you've got like jQuery from like 10 years ago type thing. Yeah. <laughs> and here's all, yeah. the, here's all the, the open security vulnerabilities. Um, we were using things like Sonar Cloud. Um, I'm just having a wee look at them just now. Sonar Cloud and a couple of other bits and bobs. But yeah, being able to scan your code and, and and scan open source code and, and detect bugs and basically stop builds on things that have got vulnerabilities is very powerful. So, yeah, the extensions mm. are really, really good. Um, we use things like Report Generator as well. So if you do code coverage, you can use the Report Generator extension, which is, again, open source. It's free. Um, 
you run your unit tests and it'll give you a little nice graph inside as your DevOps of, of code coverage and stuff like that, which you can drill into and I'll show you the lines of the code coverage on each line and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's lots of really nice stuff inside the extensions. Um, really good stuff and most of them are free, which is even better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, talk, just before we move on, talk, talking of, of free, if, if you are a really small team, um, well, you know, not not in DevOps times. If you're a team of five, then then this tool can be as as good as free to you, depending on how many build minutes you use. Yep. Um, which, which is great, right? Because because the, the the user licenses only come in after five users. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's eighteen hundred build minutes a month you get um for free or something on it. on that. Um, so, so you could actually use this for, for free and your repositories in Azure DevOps are, are private. So you don't pay for private repositories like in, in some tools. Um, so, you know, there's lots of benefits for lots of different sides of organizations here. And it, it, it always surprises me, uh, just on the general lack of awareness of the, the tool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a customer, customer on Friday who's saying, we have our code in Bitbucket, we have some code in Git, we have some code in um, some other place, GitHub, sorry, and some other places, and I was like, we're trying to consolidate it all, and, and I said, right, give me an hour, um, phone me back in an hour, and I'll demo Azure DevOps, and literally they were like, wow, and I'm like, what size is your team? And again, it was like four four devs, and I'm like, you can pretty much get all this for nothing. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, you can get rid of Bitbucket, you can get rid of everything, put all your code in here. I was showing them kind of a quick build pipeline of a kind of MVP, MVC app, yep. um, build deploy to Azure, and they were like, this is phenomenal. And I'm like, yeah, people don't, I don't think people realize how lucky we are that we get this kind of stuff for free, um, for five people. Even, even paying for more than, more than that for bigger teams, it's still an amazing tool for, for the cost. Very cheap. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And. You know, I guess, I guess it kind of begs the, the question. And I know there'll be someone listening thinking this with, with Microsoft now, um, owning GitHub mm-hmm. and, uh, GitHub now having actions, which is yep. fundamentally pipelines, uh, YAML based mm-hmm. pipelines. You know, I, th- I think a lot of people are potentially concerned about where it starts to bleed, um, into each other's space. You know, what, why have two products do the, the same thing? Um, now, I'm, I'm definitely not asking um, you to spill anything that you might know from the MVP program or anything, but, you know, my, I, I, I actually think it's pretty clear myself is that, that the investment uh, and what is in um, Azure DevOps is that it's very much an enterprise-focused tool, very, very much focused on the enterprise. There's lots of visibility and traceability and, and auditing and reporting in there. Um you know, GitHub Actions is, is very promising and does some really cool stuff, but it's still a long, long way behind. And, and even then, you you have to remember, right, that, that that is only the pipeline functionality of the whole Azure DevOps suite that's in there. There's still a lot more to go. So, you know, I think I think if, if you have invested in Azure DevOps and you're worried about what Microsoft are doing with GitHub, I, I personally, my message certainly at the minute would be don't babe because they're, they're nowhere near in terms of functionality. Not yeah. to say they will be in, in the long term future, but I still see GitHub very much um, aimed at open source projects and Azure DevOps focused on, on enterprise. Yeah. Without saying too much, um, I have to watch NDA because obviously I get a wee bit yeah. answer to some of this. Um, some of the people moved over from Azure DevOps to GitHub to work on this stuff. So that's a good thing because the people who built the awesome Azure DevOps are going to be helping build the GitHub stuff. Um, don't think, I don't think Azure DevOps is ever going to go away because there's so many teams use it, even internally at Microsoft. There's so many customers using it. So they're not going to close it down any stretch of the imagination. I think um, I'm still telling our customers where I work um, to still use Azure DevOps. Um, I, I even still say put your code into um, Azure DevOps repos. Um, Microsoft have kind of said it at build and things like that, that they recommend you put your code into GitHub and leave everyone else in Azure DevOps. So that's kind of their recommendation. Um, and I'd probably leave it to that. I think the, the, there'll be a long, long time um, mm. before GitHub has, has got everything that it may not even ever have, everything that Azure DevOps has. Things like boards, I think boards will probably always be awesome in Azure DevOps. I can't really see that 
been amazing on GitHub going forward. I could be wrong, obviously, but um, I think the functionality in Azure DevOps boards is, is outstanding. Um, yeah. And GitHub is more, it's not just open source people, um, but obviously there's 50 yeah. million developers on GitHub, so they're yeah. targeting the 50 million as opposed to how many people use Azure DevOps. But in no stretch of the imagination that they're leaving DevOps behind. They're just kind of focusing on the tooling for GitHub at the moment. Yeah, I think... Um, I, I think for me, that's that, that you said about how many developers use GitHub. You, you know, you just look at what GitHub offers. It is fundamentally source control and, and some of the um, edges of source control that is now starting to bleed into deployments through um, GitHub Actions. Mm-hmm. There, there would have to be a massive change in focus on that product for it to start catching up with <laughs> what actually DevOps does. And, you, you know, like you say, um, it may change in the distant future. You know, we just don't know. Yeah. The people that work on it will, will probably not know um, mm-hmm. until that time comes. But you know, I, I yeah, I, I think you know, for for me, this point was more about alleviating some people's concerns because I, I know there's a lot of people I've spoken to that have gone, oh man, you know, we need to we need to move what we're doing because actually DevOps is going. It's like no, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not happening. You've got to stress them that it's not going. Because I was speaking to a guy on Twitter today who was saying, I'm moving everything to GitHub. And I'm like, I wouldn't. I would just leave your Azure DevOps where it is for the time being. Because it's going to be a wee while before um, certain stuff is, is moved, even if it is moved. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. I would just let them get on with building up GitHub and keep everything as is. Even if a new customer came to, be, came to me today, I would probably tell them, um, but Microsoft is saying pick your code into GitHub and leave everything in DevOps. I'd actually be tempted just to put everything in DevOps. It doesn't yeah. really make any difference. It's easy enough to move out. It's really straightforward. And I think going forward, there will be tooling. We'll be building tooling to help people move things from Azure DevOps into GitHub long, longer term. But that's that's going to be a good bit of way. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, so let's, let's move on a little bit to um, talk about deployments and, and I'm talking about actually building the resources in, in Azure. So as you know, we have, we have really two main ways of, of doing this. Um, so, so I guess the first is the, the native um, Azure Resource Manager or ARM. Okay. Um, and then more recently, what's become very popular is, is obviously uh, Terraform's support of Azure as a platform. Yeah. And I know Microsoft are now directly involved in the development of the Terraform module, so it's it obviously makes you know a lot of sense that it's an, now an extremely viable option should you want to to go down that route. Um, but I guess you know the question I, I'd start off with is which, which one of those technologies do you prefer today, ARM or Terraform? So I haven't really done a huge amount on Terraform to be honest with you. Um, not really done a huge amount of infrastructure as code type stuff. Uh, only really done it on one project, but we did it with ARM templates and um, PowerShell. But recently I've been kind of looking at Terraform from an absolute um, noob, basically from an absolute newbie. Uh, someone who's never looked at Terraform, I've kind of been writing some blog posts and kind of trying to learn it, um, mm-hmm. just, to, just to see what it's all about. <laughs> and I will say I think it's very, very cool and very powerful. Um as to which one I prefer, I think it's too early for me to say. I wouldn't like to say one or the other, but at the minute I would probably still use ARM templates just for the fact that I haven't spent enough time um, in the kind of in the deep dives mm. of Terraform. So I wouldn't know how to do things like link templates, or even if you yeah. can do link, link templates. So yeah, I think it's too early for me to say. <clears throat> um, there's even Pulumi as well, which is coming out, um, yeah. and a lot of people are raving about Pulumi. So I don't know. I think. Well, I would turn it on you. What, what do you prefer? Have you have you used both? Yes, I, I I've used both quite heavily. More ARM than Terraform, but I've used yeah, both um, heavily. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so same with customers. I've been to customers that have said like, oh, let's use ARM or, or let's use Terraform. Yeah. And you know, from a personally from a platform perspective, I I do prefer ARM. Mm-hmm. Um, but working at a, a service provider um, where, you know, you may go to a client where ARM doesn't make sense for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, so it could be internal skills. It could be that they have experience in writing Terraform for AWS or another platform. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be a number of reasons. Um, 
you know, for, for me, I think it's important working for a service provider that I know and am comfortable with both methods yeah. for, for that reason, because what, what is right for me is not necessarily, necessarily yeah. right for the client at the end that's, of the day. That's actually why I've not really done telephone. <coughs> Excuse me. Most of our customers use ARM, so I've not mm-hmm. really had the reason why I'm learning Terraform is just exactly what you said. In case one of the customers comes on and said, we're going to use Terraform and I don't want to be caught out not knowing anything. Yeah. So that's kind of why I've kind of been learning that in the background. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, anyone that works in the services industry and technology, that's, that's the way you've got to look at it. It's not, it's not so much an ARM versus Terraform conversation. Yeah. Cause I've also spoke to a lot of clients that have said Microsoft are pouring all this stuff into Terraform. It means ARM's dead in the water. It's like, well, you know, think, think about what ARM is. It's a fundamental API of the platform. It's not yeah. going anywhere. <laughs> no, I would, um, um, no, I would tell you, what you just said there couldn't be followed for the truth, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, ARM's, ARM's massively powerful as a, as a language. It's, for me, it's quite easy to write and easy to understand because it's all in JSON. Um, it's very well structured, I, I think is the other thing I would say about ARM. Um, but you know, you could say the exact the same things about, yeah. about Terraform. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the pluses I do like about Terraform versus ARM actually that I, I would say is that whenever I have, I have written and deployed anything in Terraform. Uh, if I write the same thing in ARM, it is generally quicker to deploy on Terraform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wh- why that is, I, I don't know. I've not been into the details or, or been able to discuss it with anyone in the know as to why it is. But I, I know, you know, for instance, provisioning a, a VM with its underlying um, NIC and managed disk and mm-hmm. attaching it to a virtual network, it's sort of, sort of building those really core components from scratch. Um, I've known that take three or four minutes in Terraform as opposed to 10, 15 in ARM. Um, um, so, so I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if ARM is, is obviously ARM's doing more and more stuff in the background, such as validation of the template, validation of um, what you're asking it to do. But similarly, Terraform won't let you deploy anything if you're at a quarter limit, for instance. So it's not like it's, it's circumventing those in any way. Um, and I've never really dug into to why it's quicker to do things in Terraform, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm is certainly my preference, but I, I do feel as I need to know Terraform pretty well, like I was saying, just from what what I do day to day. Yeah, I'm definitely going to continue to learn that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, we talked a lot about tooling and, and tech. Um, but as we were saying right at the top, DevOps is very much technical and non-technical. Mm-hmm. So even though you're in a, um, a role at a software engineering company, effectively, yep. how much how much your work is in, in DevOps is technical versus non-technical? Um, it's a good question. <clears throat> most of my most of my customers is technical, to be honest. It's probably 90% 10. 90-10 split to be technical, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Most of the customers, <clears throat> I'm the kind of go-to DevOps guy, so if a, customer, if a new customer comes along and kind of looking to do some Azure DevOps or, or any kind of DevOps stuff, they kind of give me a buzz. Um, so I'm kind of usually setting up Azure DevOps, to be honest with you, setting up pipelines and kind of showing them and demoing them and the kind of features. So it's not, it's mostly technical, to be honest. It's very little non-technical stuff. Sometimes the non-technical stuff is just showing people how to use the Azure boards, which is it's kind of technical in its own way, but um, I've, I've had to show kind of project managers how to set up boards and kind of scrum yeah. masters and stuff like that. So it's still technical to, to an extent. So probably 90 to 10, to be honest. It's quite it's mostly yeah, technical. Okay. What about you? Are you mostly technical as well? Um, it sort of depends on the situation, to be, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, customers, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, more and more now as I start to build, um, now, now I'm back at, um, in Sono, as I start to build out what we want to do um, in the US business that I'm aligned to from a um, consultant advisory perspective, I'm, I'm looking at what we can do from a, uh, you know, non-technical. Um, so... It's um yeah, it's interesting to see I, I you know, I guess where where customers want to go. So so I, I, I try and tell people that although technology is important, it is definitely not the be all and end all. Oh, you need to focus on everything equally, um, if not some areas more. Um oh. 
So I'm just trying to make sure that we build offerings um, around there. But yeah, my certainly when I was back at Berkeley, the work I was doing was very similar to, to yourself, actually, for what you've just described, whether it be like knowledge transfer, I guess, yeah. um, looking at different products, looking at um, different things that we can do with pipelines and, and building standards around it, that kind of thing. So it's a, like an internal team that were responsible for the platform to the rest of the organization. So they're trying to set standards and such like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, one of the things I, I was uh, going to ask you actually around there is if you're doing a lot of setup, um, do, are you at the point yet where you have started to look at something like the Azure DevOps API to speed up any of the setup or yeah, looking yeah. at creating templates or template yeah. projects that you can copy? Yeah. done that. We've done that. We've set up demo, demo template projects. So I've done that for a customer where they can come along and, and basically just use the template project to, to do a file new project, to use that template, and then away they go. So they've got everything set up the way they want it because um, they kind of agreed on like two week sprints and kind of standards within the, the Azure boards. They kind of, you know, what you know, like epics and, and features and stuff like that. They've, they've decided that they don't want epics, they want features, and mm-hmm. they've decided on all the settings up front. And then I've generated a kind of template project that they can then use. So the other part of the the ten percent is basically knowledge transfer. Yeah. So a big a big part of it is setting that up and and talking to people through it. There's nothing worse than someone coming into your company. Setting something up and then leaving, and then everyone else is like, "How do I use this?" Takes everything with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so upskilling is, is a big thing. I'm, I kind of try and try and get people to enjoy doing it. You know what I mean? I want them to kind of yeah. like use the tool. Don't be, don't be afraid of the tooling. I still I, I harp on about this, but I think Azure DevOps is really easy to use, and, and people are mm. always like, "This is actually really good." And I'm like, "Yeah, there's there's not a thing in Azure DevOps that I thought this is this is a wee bit clunky or this is a bit tricky." Um, the the kind of YAML stuff is a wee bit tricky when you've never done YAML, but apart from yeah. that, I think I think people are always really keen to to kind of learn something new. And I, I always say to them, look, this is really cool stuff, and and you can use this. Even people who are non-developers, we've we've got customers using Azure boards for just um, project tracking, um, things like that. They don't even use yeah. code; they've just got items and 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 the tracking and the boards. Sorry. Um, so yeah, knowledge transfer is a big thing. Mm. Well, yeah, fine. definitely. Upskill people as much as possible. That was uh, that was a big piece of what I did uh, at Virgin. Actually, I used to do like a regular training session. I think it was uh-huh. like every every first or second Tuesday in a month was a regular slot that people could book, and and we'd do um, you know a session for project managers, you know, on how to use boards and dashboards specifically. Yep. It's quite a deep dive into that forum. And then there was a general, this is the platform and this is how it integrates with Azure and, you know, this is why it's awesome <laughs> kind of thing, really. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes a long way to, to helping people understand why why it's such a good tool and kind of, yeah. yeah, they usually love that kind of thing. Well, one of the things I actually never got to um, finish off that I was looking at was, you know, I, I actually, typical lazy engineer, I actually got fed up of creating projects. So I went down the route of creating a template project like yourself. So all of the settings. So, you know, when you go in and you change how the board works because you want um, epics to show or features as a top level, that kind of thing. And, you know, just those real little things. I, I wrote, I, I basically did want to wrote it all out so I knew exactly what it was and created a template. Um, so, what what was interesting was that we, you know, I basically wanted to kick it off through ServiceNow so that we could give all the project managers access to a request form in ServiceNow that they could go in, fill in some details. It would go off and get the necessarily approvals for any of the licenses we needed to add users in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would basically kick off a, a call to an API, which would go off and create everything with all the settings that they'd specified. And, and you know, the hope was... <laughs> Being, being that lazy engineer that I wouldn't need to be involved. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, COVID came and the um, um, the fellow came and I ended up uh, leaving anyway, so I never got to finish it off. But it's certainly something that I would take into other things that I've been doing and other things that I want to do and really show how you can integrate, the, you know, two systems together. One of the other things we need to talk about is the Azure DevOps demo generator. Have you ever had a look at that? Yeah, that, that's brilliant. That yeah. is brilliant, actually. And I, I will put a, I will, now you've mentioned that, I will put a, 
a link to that in the description. Um, but yeah, why, why, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about what that tool is and, and why it's so good? Yeah, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what, what, what it's got. Um, in fact, I'm going to actually open up here. So the Azure Devil, Azure Demo, let me just take this one as a fucking demo generator. Yeah, this is it here. So it's a kind of tool for learning um, Azure DevOps. So if you want, if you've never used Azure DevOps before, you can log into this tool, which is free, um, and you can look at example templates of projects. For example, there might be a, a Tailwind Traders Microsoft project that someone's written with with Bitwin.net, for, for example, um, and you can install this template into your Azure DevOps project. It'll set the project up for you, and it'll give you um, example code. So that will show you how users users are set up. That will show you how code reviews are done. It will show you an example Azure board. So it'll have a sprint set up. So maybe a two-week sprint with demo users. You can see tasks that are um, in use, kind of in play for that two-week sprint. You can see the wiki and how the wiki is structured and how you can create wiki documents um, for your documentation and stuff like that. So there's all sorts of different templates. But there's also there's a Kanban one. There's one for... Um, I'm trying to think the different types of project boards you can get. The Kanban, the what's the other one? I've just forgotten now. There's the Kanban. What other ones are there? Um, types of projects. I'm just trying to think. Um, so you can you can have a CMMI, which is a, yes, a little bit more um, a waterfall line, yep. I think. Um, yep. And then you can have traditional Scrum and, and Agile. Scrum and Agile, that's the ones, yeah. So I've got it open up here. So, yeah, I'm just looking at it just now. So the last time I went in here, it's actually changed ever so slightly. So you can choose template projects. Some of them are written in different languages. So there's even ones in Java and Node.js and stuff like that. There's also a DevOps lab, lab um, tab where you can learn. It'll give you uh, examples on how to do Terraform, Ansible, Docker, Azure Machine Learning, Octopus Deploy, Selenium, SonarCube, PHP. There's loads of good stuff in here. Um, there's also a link to Microsoft Learn courses for Azure DevOps. Mm-hmm. And there's now a link to Azure Community, which will talk about the cloud adoption plan and Azure Sentinel DevOps. So there's, there's a ton of new stuff in there get added all the time. But one of the really cool things is you can create your own template. So you can actually go and build your own project template, put all the settings that you want, um, in there, and then from now on, you can do file new project, and it will give you your template with all the settings in, so you don't need to configure it every time. So yeah. there's a ton, ton of cool stuff in there. Really, really yeah. worth checking out. Yeah, that's that is a great shout actually. If you're you know, if there's something in there that you think like that kind of matches my use case, then mm-hmm. you, you know don't don't be shy to um, do the template generator of it because. I, I think it will help you, you know, if you're wanting to go down that line, it'll help you get an understanding of, of where you want to be uh, and what you need to do, especially when it comes to pipelines. Um, because yes. like, like you alluded to earlier, I, you know, I'm, I'm still struggling a little bit with a transition from the GUI to, to YAML. <laughs> Me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, kind of getting there because I, I have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think, um, you know, this kind of stuff is really good because it, you know, I can just go into there and look at what YAML's been created and it's yeah. like, ah, yeah, okay, perfect. Now I know how to do it. Um, and, and you know, I, I would say it's very difficult to really break anything anyway, you, you know, so, you know, just don't, don't mess around in production environments, I guess, is the key thing as, as normal. But, you know, if you're in a, a, a playground environment, it's very difficult to actually break anything. And mm. certainly as your DevOps itself, I've never had anyone come to me go, I've locked myself out or, you know, I did this with permissions and now I can't get in or, you know, I've broken a pipeline. It's very, like well, you said a few times, very easy to use. Mm. The good thing about these projects and this, this Azure DevOps demo generator is the real project. So if you download, for example, I'm looking at Smart Hotel 360, which is an ASP.NET Core and an Azure App Service, you can actually build this. And, and mm-hmm. I'll actually give you the build template and the, the build pipeline and release pipeline. And all you need to do is put your Azure, Azure subscription ID in, uh, and it'll deploy this to Azure. And it even runs on your mobile phone. So they're, they're fully working end-to-end projects, which I think is fantastic. Really, really good resource. One of my yeah. favorite 
Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think it's a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it actually because it's it's a it's a jewel in the crown of of tools related to the platform itself. You know, along with the marketplace that that make it you know such a, an awesome awesome tool. Um, so yeah, I'm really I'm really glad you you brought that one up. Um, like I said, we'll make sure there is a link to that in the uh, description. So, um. One of the other things, like, I guess just to, to finish on. So, so thinking of, um, th- thinking of Azure as a platform, you know, itself, uh, so Azure DevOps is obviously an element of that, but, but Azure DevOps, uh, sorry, Azure specifically as a, as an environment and a platform. What, you know, in your day to day stuff, you obviously touch quite a lot of the different features within there. What, What's the most exciting project for you to to work on? So you know what what comes through and you think oh, I can't wait to get started. Yeah, so it's interesting you say that. Um, I haven't really been doing a lot of Azure recently, to be honest. It's just weird, just depending on what project I've been on. But not that long ago, well maybe six months ago, I was working on a project um, with an Azure, and just when when we actually finished the project, we sat back and we kind of thought, well, wow, this is actually amazing. So we had a website which we had to deploy all around the world. So it had to be like super responsive. It had to be like sub millisecond queries to the database. Um, and we built that using infrastructure as code. We had CICD, so we're changing our code, we're changing our infrastructure, and we're, we're committing that via um, Visual Studio straight into Azure DevOps. The code's building and deploying. It's getting sent out to different regions all around the world. We're making use of Azure services like Traffic Manager. So it's making mm-hmm. it highly available. It's, Auto scales, um, stuff like that, automatic backups and, and things like that. And at the end of the day, we had a, we had a fully functional website, which was like super quick. Um, the customer absolutely loved it. It was highly available. It was, it was never ever going to go down really, unless several Azure regions go down. Auto scaling. So the more people come on, the more, the more the bandwidth gets used, the it scales out. Yeah. Um, and it was, wasn't even an expensive thing. Now, we sat there and we thought, if we had to do this on-prem five, ten years ago, you'd, you'd, I wouldn't even know where to start, to be honest with you. It would be so difficult to get done. You wouldn't even know what servers to buy. You wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to go about doing that in, a, in an on-prem world. You would need to figure out how to rent servers. So the fact that we were doing that, and I think it was something like maybe a 1000 or £2,000 a month for, like, we're even using Azure uh, Cosmos DB. Yeah. And the database queries were like sub 15 milliseconds and we're like, this is like phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. So to be able to, to deliver a website for a customer who needed something um, all around the world and be super responsive and always available was just amazing. And, and even to this day, I'm still quite proud of that project. Um, yeah, it was fabulous. To, and the really cool thing was if we lost an environment, so if, if someone could accidentally go into production and blow that environment away, we could re- redeploy all that from Azure DevOps because we had built that using Azure ARM templates and had infrastructure mm-hmm. in code as place. We could actually just like one-click deploy and that after maybe 15-20 minutes your environment's back up. It was absolutely amazing. When, when, when people always talk about DevOps and, and Cloud Native, I, I, I always think that's one of the big benefits of the two platforms going mm-hmm. Uh, you know the framework of DevOps and the platform of the cloud um, going hand in hand together, because um, people always talk about being able to rebuild the application or rebuild the environment with one click. Yeah. And now you have to be, uh, you have to be fully engaged in in CI and CD to be able to to do that end to end, obviously. But yeah. you, you know, you you just can't do that on prem. No, <laughs> we've got we've got customer. Um, which I won't mention the name of, but yeah, they've got, they've still got like Windows 2003 server, um, uh, servers. They've got SQL Server 2005 and they're using IIS on-prem and they, they have absolutely no high availability, um, backup. So if disaster recovery, for example, if, if, if their environment goes down, they don't have any backups. They don't, well, they, they take backups, but that's going to be down for days. Um, it's kind of mission critical. So yeah, when when we talk about these things on Azure, they're like, well, that sounds phenomenal, and it, it is really when you think about it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I I've had, I've had conversations today where you know actually the situation that's happening at Garmin <laughs> come up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've yeah. seen about this, and 
you know, they, they basically don't want to be front page news, uh, this client. They're, they're quite a big organization. They do uh, quite a lot of um, private contracts and, and government contracts as well. So they sit in both commercial and government sectors. So, so obviously they've, they've got quite a lot to lose should, should anything bad happen. And um, I'm sure they're targeted a significant amount, like most organizations that sit in those fields. And, you know, the conversation kind of went, well, how, how do we prevent this happening? I said, well, I said, you know, I, I, I don't want to speculate because we don't know the details. But, uh, it, and, you know, I don't, if anyone from Garmin never <laughs> does happen to, to listen to this episode, I definitely don't want to um, assume too much. But, you know, I, I would say potentially the, the problems that cause that are not platform related. So whether no. they're on prem or on the cloud, the, the problems are that they, um, they ended up having their backups hijacked by being encrypted by the same ransomware. Um, they didn't have backups. They didn't have or had never tested DR. Um, you know, their patching cycles were, were in a line with where they should be. So there's, there's plenty of softer reasons, I think. And, and the, you know, the question was, how, how does the cloud solve these problems? So, well, you know, if you start to do cloud native stuff, then, you know, you, you worry about being attacked other ways. So you, you know, you still worry about vulnerabilities, but not so much what you potentially would with traditional infrastructure. So, it, you know, it's, it's interesting how, you know, moving to more cloud native technologies on, on the platform, um, closes some holes when it comes to security loops, but then opens others because you have to make sure that your development is, is rock solid. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and I guess that's where some of the tools that you were talking about earlier in the pipelines from the marketplace, like being yeah. able to scan for hard coded credentials and being able to scan for vulnerabilities and using tools like Sonar Cube and Sonar Cloud to, uh, be able to do static analysis is, is really, you know, fundamental in catching those things. And, and yep. you know, when we talk about DevSecOps, which is a real slight segue that we talk about shifting the responsibility of security left. Mm-hmm. You know, these are, these are all the things that we, we're really talking about, really, just making sure that people have the power to identify and deal with it earlier on so it doesn't get to uh, production ultimately. But the, these are the tools that people need to be using to address these yeah. issues. I've seen customers before had lots of pipelines and never really thought about this stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of customers do this as a bit of an afterthought, the kind of scanning and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Some customers are on the ball and some just just aren't. Yeah, but it definitely needs to happen, especially when you're doing production. Yeah, definitely. I think I think some in in some ways DevOps has probably suffered from its fast. Adoption uh, and you know wrongly, absolutely wrongly, security in some ways is um, not being as big a priority as it should have been for some organisations, yeah. and so we're now quickly trying to plug those gaps. Yeah, it's the whole fail fast thing. Everybody kind of gets the code, builds and gets into production, and then goes right. Okay, now we need to think about scanning and security and all that. And yeah, that needs to kind of people need to just kind of try and stop doing that. I would almost like it when you do a fail, when you do like a new build in DevOps, it'd be nice if it could put these tasks in and just grey them out so you can delete them if you want, but it at least reminds you that you might yeah. want to scan this, <laughs> you know what I mean? There should be something pop up saying, please scan, static scan your, your code, scan, scan your open source code, do, please do this, but there's nothing really kind of jumps out at you and says, do this, especially if you've got a production pipeline. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I I think it's just something that people have, it, security and architecture are fundamentals of IT that have not really, you know, what how we do it has changed, but the, mm-hmm. the fact that we should think about them as as not on, you know, I I think I think we've we've you know some people have not shown themselves in a great light when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to security. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think this is an interesting. An interesting thread. Um, and, and yeah, you know, like you say, even if it's there and disabled, um, at least people have to do something to get rid of it. And, you know, the fact that you've made that call to say that we don't need it, uh, you know, maybe you don't, but the fact that you've made that call to say that you're removing it is, is a bold one that you should be able to back up ultimately. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yep. I agree. So 
you know, we've uh, we've run out of time, unfortunately. We've got a, l- a little bit longer than, than normal, but the conversation uh, I thought was was really good, and we've gone into some really good things in there. Um, so, uh, you know, f- first of all, thank you um, so much for your time in, in recording this. Thanks for your expertise. Yeah, very welcome. Um, Thanks for Martin. Yeah, no problem, and uh, hope to have you back at some point um, in the future talking about something uh, different and. Uh, you know, for people listening, uh, I hope that was a good conversation as well. So for, for the users of uh, AWS uh, .frat, we, we are doing uh, a DevOps on AWS session in a, in a couple of weeks. Uh, so make sure you tune in to, to that if your platform replaces AWS. So, so that should definitely be a similarly interesting conversation with the, the same powerful messaging. Uh, next week uh, is a conversation I'm definitely... Uh, really looking forward to. So, so some of you will know that I'm a, a DevOps ambassador with the DevOps Institute. Um, but next week, I'm going to be joined by um, Helen Beal, who is the chief ambassador for the DevOps Institute, uh, and also Jane Grohl as well, who's the CEO with the DevOps Institute. So we're going to be talking about what that uh, organization does and, and how they um, help people progress their knowledge of DevOps and exactly what we do as ambassadors as well. So, so that's a conversation I'm very much looking forward to uh, those two ladies next week. So um, for now, all at least we say is thank you for listening uh, again. And uh, for the last time, thanks, Gregor, for your um, input and expertise uh, for this episode. And we will speak to everyone soon. Mm-hmm.